Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, here we go. Again, the Brexit doesn't mean Brexit Brigade have been out in force in the House of Lords doing their level best to prevent any form of departure from the European Union by voting to stay in the European economic area, something I haven't even heard about for many, many a year. It would effectively mean staying in the EU with trade agreements, freedom of movement for people and capital and even residency status for everybody in it as well. Britain would become the new Norway. The big question now is what will the Commons do and how much will Remainer MPs be encouraged to stand up against both Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn? It's a problem for the Tories, but it's also a problem for the Labour Party. 0344 We'll be talking to Matt Kelly from the New European. Uh, put out an extraordinary tweet this morning uh, in which he basically said the good thing about the House of Lords is that they don't have to worry about those pesky voters. Democracy, people, may well be a thing of the past. Katy Perry is back in the fold after a mini holiday and a slight domestic accident. She's going to give us her verdict on Boris Johnson's jaunt to America and how he'll be feeling today after President Trump completely ignored his advice on Iran and, of course, the Nobel Peace Prize. 0344 499 1000. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll be talking to a man who's invented his own energy-producing incinerator and we'll be busting a few food myths as well. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Casey Perrier on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. You're not supposed to be bopping around with your injury, by yeah, the way. I don't need to exacerbate it and make it any worse. Good job, you know, no. Keep the sling thing going on here. Uh, we are, of course, uh, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Casey Perry is back, uh, which is great news because it means that we're going to be talking later on about Boris Johnson and his little mission to the United States of America, which didn't turn out quite as well, perhaps, as he might have thought it would have done uh, when he set off. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, got lots of really, really good t- tweets coming in, and we're going to go to the calls in a moment. Sean says, in the 70s, we voted for a training arrangement, not a federal super state and a complete erosion of our democracy. I'd rather have Trump uh, than the European Union. And Patrick says, Matt is basically saying that his vote is more important than mine. I'm sick and tired of the people who lost complaining. Yes, the government has made a right mess of leaving, but you can't go back on the will of the people. And also, in my view, as much as we say they've made a right mess of leaving, actually, the leaving process is continuing. The leaving process was never going to be smooth because not one not two people, I think we've said this before, in this entire country, never mind the Cabinet, actually believe in exactly the same form of leaving, do they? Well, no. If you look in Parliament, there's over 300 people from the Conservative benches that believe in a different form yeah. of what Brexit looks like. Mm. No one has because it's never been done before. Um, no one quite knows exactly what it might look like when we do finally leave the European Union. And that's the problem, because even when you have people around the table that are all leavers, yeah. leaving means different things of to them. Of course it does, yeah. And the same for Remainers too. So, you know, this what it shows is that Britain is more polarised than ever 
And it's a very toxic kind of environment, in mm. which I happen to not like at all. No. I hate the fact that people have taken such opposing sides that they're pretty mean to each other. Yeah. You know, they criticise each other on Twitter and things like that all day long. I think it's very unhealthy for our democracy. And we've got to find a way through it. We've got to find a way where we're going to, we're going to exit the And also the, the people who did vote to leave, and it is 52-48, it's not 50-50. You know, the way Matt was explaining it was as if, oh, well, it's more or less half and half. Well, it's not more or less half and half. It's actually not half and half at all. 52-48 to 48 is a win. Whichever way you cut it, in the same way that 1-0 is a win uh, if Liverpool beat Real Madrid in the final of the Champions League, you know, it's not, oh, well, it was nearly a draw. No, it wasn't a draw. It was a loss. The thing is, is that polls have been taken since that vote and people have not changed their minds. No, of course not. So it's not as if we are really moving one way or another. But our parliamentary democracy, the people that we put into Parliament to act on our behalf, do not necessarily agree with that Mm. uh, 52-48 split. And there is an argument, if you want to take back control and you want sovereignty to stay within you know United Kingdom rather yeah. than giving it away to the EU, like we've done in the past, then we should allow our Parliament a say, yeah. which you know goes against giving them a referendum in the first place. I mean, it's all David Cameron's fault, really, yeah. for giving everybody well, a referendum. we could certainly argue that case, but, you know, what's done is done. We're here now, And uh, we're right? now where we are. Let's talk to Aaron, uh, who's in Kent. Hello, Aaron. Hi, Mike. Hi, morning. Casey. Yeah, morning. what do you want to say, Aaron? Yeah, morning. Um, yeah, yeah, you had a, uh, a chap on, Matt. Um, yes. He, he spoke, he laboured the point about parliamentary democracy. Yeah. Well, he's very confused about what parliamentary, uh, parliamentary democracy is because um, the, the, when, the, when, a House of, when a House of Commons enacted the, uh, the European Referendum Act, yeah. they, dev- they devolved that decision down to, down to the people. That was, that was what they did in Parliament. They said, they said, as an act of Parliament, you now have that choice. So that is parliamentary democracy. What isn't parliamentary democracy is when you've got MPs who have been effectively elected by the electorate, mm. not representing the wishes of their own constituents. Yeah. That isn't parliamentary democracy because they're going that, that they're going against what they've been elected to do. And, and and thirdly, on just on parliamentary democracy itself, you've got the House of Lords. Now, if you look at the amount of uh, MPs, liberal uh, liberal Democrat MPs in the House of Commons, it, it, I mean, it's fractional compared with what it is in the Lords. In the Lords, there are over a hundred. Um, lords who are, uh, you know, who have been sort of shoved in there as, um, as, as, as on the Grace and Favours ticket. Yeah, that's not um, a majority, and, though, is it? Because there's many more hundreds of lords than there are MPs, bizarrely, now that, uh, no, now know, that we're looking at the know, numbers. I know, Mike, but what they have got, they have got, uh, uh, you know, they have got a check, a check and balance on the on what the Commons are doing. Yeah. And if you've got if you've got a body, a chamber who is effectively non-representative of democracy, because you, because in the House of Commons you wouldn't have that ratio of Liberal Democrat MPs. It, it's completely skewed, and it, and it's not right. And and just on he's talking about again the the the, the fifty-two forty-eight vote. Yeah. I mean, if you win, if you win, if you win a football a football match one nil, you know you can't have a losing side saying, "Well, actually, yeah, this is not right because we had sixty percent of yeah. the play." Yeah, no, of course you're absolutely uh, right. Well, he, this is what he, I said to him. Not, no, he's talking not absolute nonsense. Well, one thing I push back on there, though, is that you're talking about the fact that people have been elected into Parliament to represent us, but we have had an election since that. EU referendum. So if people wanted to vote for only leave candidates, they, they could have done, they could have had the option or they could have you know, withdrawn their vote. The fact is yeah. that people have been put back into that parliament since that 
EU referendum. So your argument doesn't really stack up on that point. Well, well it does, Katie, because because what you've got there, you had you had the Labour Party, and you had the you've got to look at the result of the election. The 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 the, the Conservatives and the Labour Party went into that last election on a leave ticket. Effectively, we are leaving the European, i.e., the single um, the single market and. The, the customs and the union. Customs now union, you yeah. had, yeah. Now you had over seventy percent of the electorate that actually voted for those two parties. So you have got a representation at the at the, the what the electorate have said to the uh, you know have said that the electorate have expressed a desire to leave the single market and the customs. That's completely union. right. And but the point is, is that you have got candidates and, and MPs now such as Chukaramuna, which he represents a large. Remain majority constituency, and he got re-elected on that basis. Surely he has the right in Parliament to give his views across on behalf of himself yes. and his constituency. Well, that would be surely, Aaron. That would be your definition of parliamentary democracy, wouldn't it? Exactly, exactly, Mike. That is the point I'm making. Yeah. You know, Katie is actually, you know, just endorsing that point because Chukaramuna has got that right to do that. You know, as you know, as is, but but what. Where it falls flat is your, is your likes of Anna Subri, who, 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 who and, and many, I mean, you, you've only got to, you know, check the list. You know, these MPs have got, have been elected, okay, but, and their electorate are quite clearly le- in, in leave constituents. But they keep they voting for her, though. They keep they voting for her. Well, they, but, well, they won't next time because, the, you know, they've got, um, you, you can't just turn up at the House of, of, of Commons if you've got a self-serving interest. Um, well, and, it may well be, though, Aaron, that in fact there are other reasons why these people were elected. And in fact, that it's not a single issue uh, situation where people only vote for, for candidates in a general election vis-a-vis their views on whether to leave or remain. And I, I think that is more likely to be the case because Anna Subri may in fact be viewed as a very good local MP. So the fact that she may have a different view to the majority of people in the constituency uh, doesn't matter. Because don't forget, if it's that close in any constituency, generally speaking, you're talking about you know a very, very large number of people people who wouldn't have voted that way as well. But we come, we come to, back to the point that, that, that the actual majority in that constituency, and quite considerably in some constituencies, Mike, are eff- effectively leave. Yes. Uh, and, and, this, and the referendum was a single issue. Yeah. And, and effectively, you could argue that the last election that Theresa May called was also single issue. Because, I mean, she called Yeah, but I don't think it was, because if that was the case, then you wouldn't have people like Anna Subri re-elected. That's, that's Katie's point. Well, yeah, but, but the mani- it's the manifesto, Mike. The manifesto was quite clearly... No one reads leave, a manifesto. And leave, and leave the customs union manifesto and leave the single market. You have the, and you've got Labour MPs doing the same thing. Well, no, Jeremy, I don't think Jeremy Corbyn even read, uh, read his own manifesto. I mean, this is a guy who, for years and years and years, has been, uh, you know, a lever. Uh, sorry, uh, and then he was a Remainer for a while. Uh, and nobody really knows exactly what he thinks now. And this is what the point is about this vote in the House of Lords. By the way, I also think the Lords, as, as, as the way they are, is still quite a good part of parliamentary democracy because they can't stop something happening. They can only delay it. And I don't mind people delaying things if it means we're going to consider them more. No, I don't mind a second chamber. And I, and I, I take your point, Mike, but... The second chamber does have to be reflective. It, it cannot be stuffed with, with, with you know, on, on grace and favours, uh, on a grace and favours ticket, which it is being at the moment. Yeah. You know, it has to be, it has to be comprised. You know, the second chamber has to be comprised of. There has to be a way to find a more representative uh, reflection of the of, of the views of the country of the United Kingdom, and, and at the moment, it isn't. Yes, well, I take that point as well. Aaron, it's a very good call. Thank you very much indeed. Some very good points made by Aaron there.
Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We've got loads of great tweets, loads of calls to take as well. 0344 499 1000. Lots of people with views on the House of Lords, on Brexit, of course, uh, and on their own MPs. Uh, we'll get some more of those coming up very shortly. Uh, but let me ask you a question, Katie. Do you believe that if you eat carrots, they will make you see in the dark? No. Do you believe that they're good for your eyes? No. No? No. Are you sure? No, but there's something else I saw People on that. People have been telling us that ever since we were children. Though. No, I thought the carrots, the rabbits can see in the dark because they eat carrots. Well, if they could see in the dark, why do they keep getting run over? <laughs> that would be my suggestion to you. It's the headlights, silly. <laughs> no, I... I what, the, rabbit the, the headlights? One, the one myth... It's a thing. The, the one myth that I have fallen for all my life is that you shouldn't eat too many eggs. Right. And so I've seen a piece of the newspaper today saying that it's okay. You can eat pretty much as many eggs as you want. Yeah. I don't see why you would follow that kind of advice. Well, it's something I've been told all my life. Don't eat too many eggs. Okay. Well, let's talk to Jenna Hope, who's a nutritionist and a much more sensible person uh, about these kinds of things than possibly we are. Jenna, very good morning to you. Morning. Good good morning. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. Now, uh, there's a poll that's come out today in which it says that loads and loads of Britons are actually falling for these uh, food myths and they believe what they're told. Now, why is that? Is that just because we want to believe it? I think, um, well, these myths are often created off of anecdotal evidence. So that's off someone's personal testimony um, or facts from hundreds of years ago when they were trying out different things when we didn't have medicine, we didn't have such good science. Um, and I do think that particularly when it comes to health and weight as well, people are looking for that magic answer. And these myths kind of provide a comfort for you in that. And unfortunately, they do get taken out of proportion. Um, and then it's not they're not always, always true. So, for example, if we look at the one that you were talking about with carrots, we do know that actually carrots are a really good source of vitamin A. Yeah. And vitamin A does contribute to your eyesight, but that's not going to give you supervision. And it's got not definitely not going to make you see in the dark. So it really is that these myths really do just get taken. The science gets kind of exaggerated and then everyone gets carried away. My favourite one, which I'm sure applies to an awful lot of people listening to this today, skipping meals helps you lose weight. Yes, so that's another really common myth. And I think (laughs) in theory, people tend to think that if you skip meals, you're going to be consuming less calories. Um, And in theory, that might make sense. But actually, when we look at it in practice, it's not necessarily the case because what people don't realise is the effect that skipping meals can have on your hormones mm. and, the, and and your blood sugar as well. And consequently, what that can do is drive your appetite up. So you actually end up eating more later on in the day. Yeah. Or equally, if you're not consuming enough calories because you are skipping meals, then your body's going to start to promote fat storage because it's because you're considerably under eating and it's kind of concerned about where the next calories are going to come from. So unfortunately, that's not Skipping meals is not going to make you lose weight. There's one here, though, Jenna, which I absolutely swear by. In loads and loads of people tell me about this all the time because I'm quite a late eater. And if you eat after 8pm at night, I always thought that was really bad for you because you can't burn it off for you to go to bed and all that fat kind of stays on you. But this, this story says that actually that's a load of old cobblers. Yeah, so if, if we think about it, the food that we're eating, say you eat dinner at 6 o'clock, you're not necessarily going to burn that off before you go to bed anyway. Um, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. So it really is about how you structure your meals in relation to how you go to sleep. So yes, you shouldn't necessarily eat too late um, as, close to, as close to you going to bed. But if you're not going to bed for much later than eating at 8pm, if that's what's going to suit you when you come home from work, then that's absolutely fine. It's not something that you should stress about. It, um, it doesn't, mean, that, uh, it doesn't mean it's OK to eat kebab at 1 o'clock in the morning after you've been in the pub for several hours, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's not <laughs> ideal, no. So no. We, we try to keep those, those things at bay. But, I mean, eating, you know, you have to fit it around your routine as well. So if you do work late when you come home, then eat something maybe a bit lighter that means it's not going to impair you from sleeping rather than focus on the weight side of things. Because, I mean, that is the bottom line, isn't it? I mean, it depends on your lifestyle in a way. It depends on what hours you work. It depends on what your exercise regimen is like. And, it de- I mean, everybody's different, really. Of course, there are, I suppose, Jenna, some, you know, constants. But, but, but lots of people are affected in many different ways. I mean, I could eat at 10 o'clock every night and put on weight and somebody else could eat at 10 o'clock every night and not put on weight. Absolutely. And again, that's going to be in relation to your hormones, your sleep pattern. Um, So what you know, what we do know is that people who don't sleep so well, um, or don't sleep enough, are going to be more at risk of overeating and eating high sugar, high fat foods. So it it really is very interesting how everyone is so unique. um, And there really is no one size fits all. And you certainly shouldn't think that because something works for your neighbour, it's going to work for you. There's one here, actually, that I'm very surprised about as well. I always thought that giving my kids lots of fruit wouldn't necessarily be great for their teeth because of the fruit juices and things like that. But it says here, eating apples cleans your teeth. That's that's true. Yeah, so that's that's due to the fibre in the apples. Um, and again, we sh- again, we shouldn't overdo it with fruit. Apples are, are a really good source of fibre um, and they're not going to cause harm to your teeth. I think the things that we should be worried about are the highly refined sugar snacks, for example, um, the, the cereals which are really high in sugar, the fizzy drinks, um, rather than focusing on apples and and fruit because we we don't we shouldn't really be worried about that. Yeah, bananas are not as good for you as people say, though either are they? That's also come out in this. So bananas are um, again they're quite high in sugar, but they're a really good source of natural sugars. So, for example, if you are running off to the gym or you need a little energy boost in the day, then a banana is a much better option than a chocolate bar. Um, or a a packet of crisps or a coffee, for example. So I think it really is about looking at where you're at at the moment and what you're consuming and actually how you can change that. When we start to demonise fruit, that's when we really start to have a problem um, within looking at our health and within our relationship with food as well. So I think fruit is a really good source of micronutrients, which some people miss as well. Okay. Well, listen, I suppose we'll just have to take out of this uh, what we can. I mean, the the thing about carrots, funnily enough, I've got a couple of tweets here from people saying eating carrots being good for your eyesight was originally part of the British propaganda aimed at the Germans in World War II. It was stated our pilots could see in the dark because they ate carrots. Make of that what you will. Uh, But we did win the war, (laughs) says Mark. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the origin of that particular uh, point of view, but bizarre, isn't it? That that is very interesting, actually. Um, You know, I think... Again, the carrots, they do contain vitamin A, so they are good for your eyes, but they're not going to give you supervision and they're probably not going to make you see in the dark either. It's strange where these myths come from, in a way. You know, yeah. who told me that don't eat too many eggs? I have no idea. Yeah. It's just something I've always Well, that might have come about. from the war as well, where they had rations and all the rest of it. I mean, it might, it might be something That's as simple as That's a cholesterol thing, though. Someone was yeah. saying, don't eat too many eggs because it's really high in cholesterol. But do you remember the years ago, I remember when I lived in America, and this was many years ago, it was the first time I'd heard two guys. I was in an airport somewhere, and I went uh, to the toilet, and two guys washing their hands, talking about their cholesterol level, which I've never heard anybody do before. Right? Nobody talks about their cholesterol level now, Jenna, do they? Um, yeah, it's probably not something that you talk about over the dinner table. Um, I do obviously talk about it with clients a lot. Um, but again, I think eggs are something that people 
that got demonised um, back in the day. It was due to bad science. And now we realise actually the cholesterol in eggs is not going to raise your cholesterol or your bad cholesterol um, within your body. And it's not something, again, not something you should be worried about. Okay. Um, so I think the study found that you can eat up to 12 eggs a week and you'll be absolutely fine. God, 12, 12 eggs. eggs. I'm there not sure that would do me very much good. 12 eggs, goes for a 12 egg omelette. Jenna, thank you very much indeed. Jenna Hope, nutritionist. <laughs> Oh three four 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 nine nine one a thousand is the number to call us on. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Katie Perrier is here, uh, and before we talk about Boris Johnson and go to the calls, uh, I'm slightly surprised that Jeremy Corbyn has not tweeted out anything about the Iranian uh, situation. Are you surprised, really? Well, though, well, yeah, but hang on, he's the leader of the opposition, right? Now, Theresa May presumably uh, has got a view on what Donald Trump has done, uh, yep. as has uh, President Macron, uh, as has Angela Merkel. Mm-hmm. Now, surely he should have a view on whether we should be talking more to the Iranians or whether we should be talking less to the Iranians or whether Donald Trump's done the right thing. But, it, you know, unfortunately for me, I'm, I can't stop thinking about the fact that Jeremy Corbyn used to do stuff with Press TV, which was the Iranian state broadcaster, which used to have a licence with Ofcom in this country to do television shows. It doesn't anymore. So I think it still exists now as like an online television company. But basically, um, you know, you ask a question and go, well, hang on. I mean, is he, is he, why is he not saying anything about the Iranian situation? And I can only assume the reason why is because he's very anti-establishment. He doesn't want to go along with what Theresa May, Donald Trump, Macron, Macron and others say. And therefore, he, you know, he has sympathies with the Iranian government. He has sympathies with the Iranian people. And therefore, he doesn't want to get involved in all of that. But he, or he forgets, doesn't want to show his hand. He, we, yeah. But also, I think he forgets that he is the leader of the official opposition in the United Kingdom. He forgets this all the time. I mean, you at, know, the top, longer, at the top of, of Theresa May's um, uh, UK Prime Minister uh, tweet, uh, Twitter account, Prime Minister Theresa May has made a joint statement with President Macron and Chancellor Merkel on the Iran nuclear deal. Surely he should be telling us what he thinks. And that's showing leadership. And unfortunately, time and time again, Jeremy Corbyn fails to do so. It took him longer to tweet on the anti-Semitism problem within his own party yeah. than it did about Arsene Wenger leaving Arsenal. Yeah. And for me, that says everything you need to know, actually. Yeah. That he doesn't take these things you know, as importantly as he should. He has a kind of warped sense. I mean, you know, he's not having a great week. His party's fallen apart in the Lords of Brexit. Well, he's had Brexit. to kick out somebody else over bullying, out, right? I think he's on his 97th... Shadow cabinet member since yeah. he has been is in power. Right? I think we should have a party on the hundredth. We maybe should get the Queen to yeah. write to him. That could be and, before you know, we get to May half term. Listen, mate, it could be before going. we go off air at this rate. <laughs> well, it could indeed. You've got a good record of making things happen before we go off air or just afterwards. But uh, let's go to the phones. Paul is in Salford, wants to talk uh, about the uh, European Union. Paul, a very good Hi, uh, morning Paul. to you. Morning. Morning, morning. Thanks for taking Yeah, not at all, no. I just want to make three really brief points if I possibly can. Uh, the first one is that MPs voted by a ratio of five to one to give the people the choice whether to leave mm-hmm. or to remain in the European Union. The people chose to leave. Right. The second point was the pamphlet that was sent to every single household in the nation costing £9 million of taxpayers' money stated that the government will enact, enact that decision. Not Parliament, mm-hmm. not the House of Lords, the government. Right. And, the thir- and the third point is... In the House of Lords, there are approximately 30 Lords who are in receipt of an EU pension. To receive that pension, they have had to have sworn allegiance to the EU and its associated bodies. Therefore, there is a clear conflict of interest because they're not acting on behalf of Britain or Parliament. They are um, acting on behalf of the European European Union and and, and its associated bodies. The, 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 the fact that they have a, a loyalty to a, to a foreign power 
proves to me or su- suggests to me that they should have absolutely no say in the democratic process of this country. Well, it's interesting. Uh, those three points are all brilliant points, Paul, and I, I take my hat off to you. But I, I've heard this point raised before about the pensions uh, uh, which are given to people like, I guess, Kinnock, I think, Mandelson, a whole bunch of them in there uh, who are voting ag- against leaving the European Union. But surely, even if we left the European Union, European Union, they would still get that pension. It wouldn't be removed from them, would it? If, if I'm being absolutely honest, I, I wouldn't know. But but the, but the fact remains that they have sworn an, an oath of allegiance to a, to, to a foreign body, and they are acting primarily on on that foreign body's interest, not this yes. country. No, listen, I don't disagree with you, but I would say that I suppose their argument would be, well, when they swore allegiance to the European Union because they went and worked in it, uh, it wasn't actually a foreign body. It was a body to which we were a party. So so technically, until we leave the European Union, it's not a foreign body, if you know what I mean. Well, well, should they have been given a seat in the House of Lords then, given that they'd sworn an oath and allegiance to a foreign body? Well, I would much rather see an elected second chamber, to be honest. I would much rather see, uh, rather than people being given, you know, grace and favour, sort of nods and winks and, you know, let's go and have a nice retirement in the House of Lords and see how you get along because you've done such a lovely job of representing people all your life. Absolutely. I would much rather that was all stopped and that we actually had a properly uh, representative possibly by proportional representation, second chamber. Katie's shaking her head here as as I'm looking at her. What's wrong with that? The only reason why I'm shaking my head is because... Another another Democrat here. We've got another... We've got a parliament already, and what you're going to have is a second chamber full of people that can't get into the first one, so it's going to be secondrate.com type people trying to get into the second chamber. And unfortunately, I do believe that on occasion... Politicians chase the vote rather than vote with a conscience and vote with what's, what's right. And I'm not talking about the EU. I'm talking about a whole range of different subjects, from healthcare to schools, all kinds of different things. Yeah. And one of the things I think the laws is good at, and I don't like it being crammed for the cronies, no. But what I think it is good at, and can be good at at times is whereby you have people like Lord Winston and others in who have had a lifetime of being you know, in, this, in the scientific industry where they've been running hospitals and doing all kinds of different things and they can give their advice for free yeah. in the House of Lords. Well, it's not for free, well, some though, of them don't take their They don't take their, their expenses. Well, some of them do. Some I'd be amazed don't. that they don't. And if they don't, there's not many of them. There's way too many of them. There's about 800 I agree of them with in that. there. I agree with that. I think it should be slimmed down. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that some of the points you made, Paul, were excellent. But do, where do you think the government should go now? What do you think Theresa May should do as a result of the, the position she's in and both Jeremy Corbyn is too? Well, basically, I'm I'm of the opinion that the idea that there is such a thing as a soft Brexit and a hard Brexit is, 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 is something conjured up by people who aren't willing to accept the result. There is only one Brexit and it's a clean one. Okay, and what does a clean one look like? Just go, just walk away. Leaving the European Union, its associated bodies, the single market, and then and then striking out to join the eighty-five percent of the rest of the world that is not the European Union. And where do you put the border? If if well, the people of Northern Ireland don't want a border. The people in the south of Ireland don't want a border. The EU don't want a border. The Britain doesn't want a border. So if if nobody wants a border, there must be through the wit of man a way to work out that a border is avoided. Well, okay. they're trying to. It's the most sensible thing I've heard anyone say about the border, very, to be honest. very, very sensible, but they're trying to, <laughs> and they've spent a year trying to do so, mm. and they haven't come up with a solution that is credible. Yeah. That's the well, problem. Well, well, they haven't yet, but I think Paul's is the most credible uh, that I've heard. Paul, listen, thank you very much indeed for your call. We've got to move on. 0344 Let's talk to Kenny, uh, who wants to tell us about a fasting programme that he's on. Have you joined some kind of monastery, Kenny? Hi, Kenny. 
Good morning, you two. Good morning. <laughs> I'm now on the second day of my first ever seven-day water fast. Water which fast, means, which means yeah, what? You eat nothing and drink only water. Okay. Yeah, so I'm doing that while cycling 70 miles a day working as a bicycle courier in a heat wave. That's not. So that sound, it doesn't sound very. It doesn't sound like a great idea, Kenny. To be honest. No, it's actually very healthy, and I've got a website up here that's got. Ten benefits of the seven-day water fast. Do you mind if I read them out? Uh, as long as they're not too long. Oh, really? Right, not, not too long. All okay, right, here on. we go. Right. Ha- number one, having no calories burns approximately one pound of body fat per day, making it the fastest weight loss method. Number two, increases insulin sensitivity as there is less fluctuation in blood sugar levels. Number three, improves body repair, recovery, and healing from decreased inflammation. Number four, lowers stress levels, decreases blood pressure, and rejuvenates the body. Number five, increases immunity due to better cell resistance. Number six, enables reduction in cancer cell proliferation. Sounds like a lot of old cobblers, Peter Kelly, to be honest. I don't think I want to go go any further. Number 10, Dick. I mean, honestly, you don't get to number 10 because you've passed passed away before you get to number 9. Kenny, I'm worried about you, mate. Don't do that. You have something to eat, man. Absolutely healthy. My colleague, who I used to, well, my ex-colleague, Daniel, who's my friend now, uh, he'd done a 10-day fast. Yeah. And he looked a stone in 10 days. It looked like somebody who's been on a hunger strike by the end of it. Can't be no. good for you. Seriously, Kenny. No, honestly, it can't be good Just for go you. Just go on a low-fat diet can't and be, be done with it. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, you know, I mean, I drink a lot of water, right, because they do say that water cleanses the body and it's very good for you. But it's not the only thing you put into your body. Especially if you're not cycling miles and miles and miles yeah. a day. You need, you know, you need calories. You need, you protein, need protein. You need protein. You need... All those kind of things. Yeah. I would totally not recommend that no. to anybody no. that's listening right now. Kenny, get yourself down to McDonald's or something. <laughs> God's sake. I'm worried about you, man. Well, I don't think you can recommend that either. But anyway, uh, be sensible, I think, is the point. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.